0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, Adrienne spoke about being blessed. I also feel blessed to be up here in that I also feel a bit scared sometimes too but, but uh, it is an opportunity to sort of reflect on your life and, and reflect what God's Word says and, and how you know, we, I suppose, can enrich our lives as Christians. And uh, we all saw the kids show, so if you take that message away you've pretty much got the guts of what we'll be speaking about this morning but we but, um, be going into it in a lot more depth. This week uh, we're going to continue the series on Focus on the One in 2021. And if you've got your Bibles there we'll be reading from Ephesians 5, 1 to 20. But I'm going to just sneak back into... Ephesians 4 before we start. But just to give a little bit of background, in Ephesians 5 Paul continues what he'd started in Ephesians 4 as he spells out practical ways to live a more righteous life. He'd already said to put on the new self that was created to be like God in Ephesians 4.24 and here he states the same concept but in a different way. He says to imitate God. Again, he encourages believers to walk appropriately, this time exhorting all of us to walk in love. And he's made this point in various ways throughout the letter and restates it here. That the Christian life is really an outworking of God's salvation. There's one acceptable standard for God's people. Many other standards we'll hear are not appropriate. This morning I'm going to introduce you to three people who I've met in my life. One had a nickname of Spider, another one's name was Frank, another one's name was Ned and each of them has sort of given me certain things or or made me think certain things. But uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father as we continue on in this series we thank you for it. We thank you for the reminder to focus on Jesus, to again be circumspect and to look at our lives, to look at what we need to do to really be imitators of you and to follow you. I just ask that you will open our hearts, open our minds to what you have for each one of us today in these scriptures. Thank you for this in Jesus name. Amen. So as I said, if you've got your Bibles open, I'm going to start at 429 even though because it sort of leads into uh, 5 and Pastor Jeff um, read chapter four, 4 last week. But 429 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And 5 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, dearly beloved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant sacrifice. Fragrant offering, sorry, and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. And through this message, I just want you to remember that word thanksgiving if you would because it's stuck right in the middle of this particular passage and I think it's so appropriate. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and let no one deceive you with empty words. For the cause of such things God's wrath comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them for you were once darkness but now you are the light of the world. Live as children of the light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what disobedience do in secret. Shameful even to mention it. That's what it says. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that's not Johnny Walker, that's the Holy Spirit. In speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart for the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father, For everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot in there, isn't there? A lot in there. And just at the start, can I just say, we're really comparing. There's a little bit of echo there, Kerry. Okay. It's all right. Um, We're really comparing light and darkness. Um, Chalk and cheese. There's a real difference there that this particular passage is exhorting us. Not to do and to do. If we go back to the beginning, at verses 1 and 2, it says, Follow God's example. Therefore, dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That follow God is, I understand, the same word in the Greek. As imitate or mimic, and so that's what we're exhorted to do. But how do we follow God's example? How how do we actually do that? I uh, in in looking at different um, scholars and what they said, uh, Harry A. Einstein. I'm not sure what the A stands for. But uh, Harry said this. He said, You parents know how there are times when your own children, much as you love them, cause you sorrow and grief if they walk in disobedience. If they fall into anything that dishonours the family name, anything that grieves your heart, and so it is with God's children, the least sin indulged by God's children grieves the Holy Spirit. If we would be his dear children, in a sense, children in whom he can delight, we must walk before him as imitators of God and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savour. And he goes on to say this which is not on the slide. The reference here of course is to the burnt offering And that's from the Old Testament. In the burnt offering spoken of in the first chapter of Leviticus we have the offerer coming to God with a sacrifice. Not merely because of any sin committed but because their heart is filled with thanksgiving and he or she wants to present something to God as an expression of their loving adoration. And so there is one aspect of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that rises far above the mere meeting of our need. It has in view the view of glorifying of God in the scene where he has been so terribly dishonoured. How do we follow God's example? How do we follow God's example? It's it's tough. I, I find it tough sometimes. Personally I think the best way is to follow what Jesus did and you know you've probably heard this before. I think I'm not sure how many years ago, but there was a movement. What would Jesus do? And people, and some people might still wear them, armbands. There's even a movie I found out uh, about all these different people where um, they applied to their life what Jesus would have really done. Verse 4:32 in Ephesians says to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's what Jesus did. And forgiveness, I think, is probably one of the hardest things that any of us have had to face. I mean, have you had people being nasty to you? Um, I have. I've got people. I've got a certain person being very nasty to me right at the moment, calling me names and things like that. And uh, I'm finding it very hard to just to zip the lip and not to say anything back. In my humanness I would, I would love to be really nasty back but I'm not going to do that. It's not easy in your own strength and really the only strength that we can rely on as a Christian is with God. So if we were to follow Jesus and were to follow some of the things that he did, he loved people and we know that. He had compassion for people. He didn't mock anyone. He did pull people up for being wrong but he never mocked anybody. He taught with sensitivity. Um, And why I say that, and I'll give an example of this shortly, but it's very easy um, if you're right to be able to tell somebody you're right and say that they're wrong but Jesus didn't necessarily do that. And he laid down his life not, he wasn't bitter to his enemies, um, but he asked God to forgive them when he was on the cross. In speaking about him teaching with sensitivity, So the, uh, the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus and I have used this before, but I love this example. In Matthew 22, 15-22, the Pharisees asked Jesus a tough question. They said, tell us, is it against our law to pay taxes to the Roman emperor or not? And Jesus said this. He said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin for paying the tax. And they brought in the coin, which would have been, imagine, something similar to that on the screen. And Jesus said, whose face and name are these? The emperor's, they answered. So Jesus said to them, well then, pay to the emperor what belongs to the emperor and pay to God what belongs to God. And the Pharisees were amazed at his teaching. If we continue to verse 3. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving, rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no moral, impure or greedy person, such person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I apologise at the bottom of the screen. Dropped off. I once lived in darkness. right? I was once one of those people who had foolish talk, had coarse joking. Maybe a number of us were. But before I became a Christian, I was like that. I used to have bad dreams, Uh, Anybody who knew me, I I lived in a house with uh, three other guys uh, in Ascot in Brisbane and uh, I was probably, if they woke me up in the morning and they weren't careful, if they came too close to me I was like a thrashing machine wanting to sort of punch them out and they used to think it was funny because they'd come in and sort of wake me up and I'd go off thrashing around trying to punch them out when, when they wake me up. That's what sort of person I was. Um, I used to have a black Ducati motorcycle. Now this is the only photo I have of it, which is a very poor photo. It was a Ducati Dharma SS and it was my, sorry, SD, it was my pride and joy back at that time. And why I'm showing you this is that after I became a Christian, one of my workmates came up to me and he said, Rolf, he said, I remember you. He said, you and that black jacketed Dharma, he said, you were the most evil person I knew. And I was stunned. Honestly, I was, I was stunned that he would say that. I think he was half joking but, I mean I, I knew I wasn't really the most evil person he knew but for him to say something like that, I, I was a bit shocked. But um, I'm probably ashamed to, to say that you know that person would say something like that about me in my younger family. days. Um, those who don't know my background, and un- unfortunately, I, I sort of hate bringing this up, but um, sometimes you are what you live as well. And and I joined the police forces at sixteen, and most of my career, about the first half, was I was a detective in Brisbane, and. Um, if we talk about truly evil people, because I suppose I've got thinking about that, um, are there truly evil people? Yes, I do believe there are. Um, have I met some of them? Yes, I do believe i met some of them. And uh, when I was a detective, I remember, I was a young detective, I, was, uh, I went to Bogger Road Jail. Now it's no longer closed anymore. Um, sorry, open anymore. But it was quite daunting walking in through that gate into Bogger Road Jail. Boggero Road Jail was closed but little did I know back in the late 80s I would be put in charge of the Corrective Services Investigation Unit which meant that we investigated crime, serious crime in our prisons. And uh, this is a picture of Woodford Prison and when I got there within the first probably couple of months we had the Brendan Nabbitt escape. Those of you who are old enough would know what happened there and a uh, number of prisoners, were there was a Shooting, and, and they got out of uh, Sir David Longlands prison, and then in the February—that was in November—the February of the next year, '88, I think it was—we had the Browland escape, where we had another shooting, and six people got out. Well, I just arrived, like in the August before that, and back then we had a lot of deaths in custody, which we had to investigate, and sadly, a number of them were murders. And I remember one particular one going out in the middle of the night to the Woodford Correctional Centre, and this is a picture of it here. And this area here, I think it was called M- M5. It was the maximum security area, and looks like a, a cross. But right in the middle is where the correctional officers sit in in like a glass room that they call the TARDIS and this was the first time I'd ever been there and when you have a death in custody what happens is all the prisoners are removed from their rooms, put into the... Oh, what happened there? Sorry. Put into the cages, which are the exercise yards, if you can see those hanging out either side and each, each wing each wing holds 50 prisoners, upstairs and down, 25 down, 25 up. And when they locked down, they put all the prisoners in there. So my first visit to Woodford was I turned up and we were surrounded by these prisoners watching the circus of the CSIU coming in to investigate this death in custody. Um, And what I found is that there was a different culture uh, in prisons. And that's where I'm going to tell you about Frank and I'll come to that. But on one of these deaths in custody, it was Sir David Longland's prison. I met a guy by the name of, uh, his nickname was Fighter. And I found out later on he was in a number of, he just happened to be in the wing where we would have a death in custody that we suspected was a murder. Because what would happen is if they got somebody they would string him up with a bed sheet, they would have it plaited and hang them. Anyway. I uh, met Spider, and one of my detective sergeants said, um, Senior, I was a senior sergeant then, just a spider. And uh, I learned a lot from Spider, because Spider had tattoos all over him. And he had tattoos on his eyebrows, eyelids, sorry, that basically said, Get lost. But it was an obscene get lost, okay? And so I said, G'day, Spider, how are you going? Do you know what he did? He blinked. I said, How's it going? He blinked. All I got out of Spider was a blink. And, and I just said to him, the detective sergeant, I said, You keep him in here, you keep him here for half an hour. And what I learnt was that the prisoners that were talking to us about the death in custody, we would have them there for a while. And I didn't want the ones who weren't talking, like Spider, getting out within two minutes and, and telling everybody else they weren't talking. So it made our job work a lot longer but I learnt that from Spider. But a couple of years later one of my, uh, Spider got out of prison and uh, a couple of years later one of my detective sergeants ran and he said, Rolf, you'll never guess what, Spider's dead. And I said, what? He said, yeah, it's in the newspapers, it's in the obituaries and it was saying Spider was there in heaven with the angels and I thought, well, I'm not sure about that unless he had a big change. But but that's what happened. That's what people thought. People, I don't know whether he became a Christian or, or had a complete change but what I do know, he's got out of prison yet all his friends were saying that Spider was up there with all the angels in heaven. Amazing. I, I was amazed. Another person I met was Frank. And Frank was one of the escapees from uh, the Burallan, um, and uh, Correctional Centre. And I would have to say in the end I ended up becoming uh, not friends with Frank but I became very friendly with him. And he was a man who'd raped a girl and he told me what he'd done and it was terrible what he'd done but he was so remorseful. He had been a lifelong person in prison. He'd more or less gone in there when he was uh, in his teens, and I think he was in his 40s when I met him. And uh, so much so, uh, I, I, he'd met a girl by the name of Michelle, and I believe that Frank had actually turned his life around, and we tried to help him. And we actually got him out of prison uh, in Queensland and put him in uh, maximum security prison in New South Wales in a protective uh, sense. He ended up marrying Michelle. And getting out of prison, as far as I know, he's going well. But there are good people in prison. Not everybody's evil but what Frank told me and what I learnt, it it was amazing what he told me. He told me how the prisoners, how they think and how they were going to try and escape and how they had to try and get through the Israeli wire which is more or less like the wire that you can't get through and they were going to cut off the bottoms of rubbish tins and ramming through them, like make a tunnel. Very ingenious. But he told me that prison's different. In the outside world, if you love somebody or are friends with them, you show that affection and that. But Frank told me, he said, if you're in prison and you hate somebody, you show them that friendship. And the day you befriend them and get their trust and when you can get them, that's when you get them. And that's what we're finding. You know, people were being killed, sadly, through their friends when when they hadn't necessarily done anything wrong. Just some other passages to support what we just read. Romans twelve two says, "Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world." But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. And Colossians 3.5 says, So put to death the sinful earthly, lurking thing, earthly things lurking in you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolatra. Worshipping the things of this world. Like, none of us knows what goes on behind closed doors, even the closed doors of Christians. I remember as a police officer, I ended up never being shocked because sometimes you would see nice, happy families on the outside, and then all of a sudden, something, you would hear something terrible about what had happened on the inside. When I was a new Christian, I remember our pastor. I learned a really good lesson from him and this related to the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. What did Joseph do when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him? He ran. That's right. He didn't even try to talk her out of it or anything like that. He just ran. I remember this pastor saying this to us and and it's always sort of stayed with me. Let's keep reading. For for you were once darkness but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of the light for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. But it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Okay, I've got to read on. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That is why it is said wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Light and darkness. I imagine Pastor Jeff going to cave camp. If any of you have been in some of those caves out at uh, Chiligo, they're dark. You know what darkness is? It's not a colour. It's an absence of light. Darkness is an absence of light. And if you're in one of those caves and the light goes out, you're in quite often complete darkness unless you're near one of the openings. Scary stuff. I want to talk about the third person, need and talk about the coming of the light to the Torres Strait. Sorry, I need to jump here. <coughs> Many years ago I met Ned. Uh, it was in 2000, 2000, I think, and I flew into York Island uh, or Massive Island, they call it, and I met Ned. Ned. Ned was a senior sergeant. He was a Torres Strait Islander police who then were employed by the council. Now they're employed by the Queensland police. And I have mentioned Ned before in a previous message but Ned is the most wonderful Christian man. I think he was a sergeant back then and he had to show me around the island. And do you know what? I don't know how many times he said it but nearly everywhere we went we were, he was saying, praise God. He said, Inspector Roth, this is our church. Praise God. This is this. Praise God. He showed me where the missionaries had landed all those years ago. Praise God. And the coming of the light is a ceremony which is held on the 1st of July each year which recognises the coming of the missionaries to the Torres Strait Islands which really changed things. Um, It's credited as being the starting point of more or less stopping a lot of the wars and the terrible things that used to happen between the various island groups and so each year they celebrate it and this is on, the first island they landed on was Arab Island or Darnley Island and this image here is one of the celebrations. This is a picture of Ned Mosby and he's the guy I first met. He's now an honorary superintendent. He's the guy with the green shoulder boards which nobody else has in the state of Queensland except if you work in the Torres Strait. And Ned's there with his wife. And uh, this is a little bit of history. His email address is Yankee Ned. And the reason why it's Yankee Ned is that the picture of this man here with two of his grandsons, that is Yankee Ned. He was a veteran of the war in America, the civil war over there, and he deserted. He was a sailor came over to Australia on a whaling ship. That picture on the right is York Island. If you land on there and you go too far you end up in the water. But Yankee Ned went to that island and uh, he is, I'm not sure, the great, 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 great grandfather of Ned. Ned, uh, I, I wanted to mention Ned because He is so thankful all the time and I just sometimes wonder because he is so thankful I can't see too many bad thoughts even coming into his mind. Do you understand that? Because he's all the time thinking about praising God and and what's so great about his life. I can't see any bad thoughts coming in. I actually asked him for permission to talk about him this morning And he said I could and he sent me an email. And I'm really sorry you can't read that. And I haven't got it here so I'm going to read it from here. It says, he he uses a number of words. He he uses buai, which is family and uh, uh, ao is yumi and he uses all these Torres Strait creole words. He says, Rolf, again greetings in the lovely name of Jesus Christ and may his peace be with you and your bu'ai family also. Praise the Lord. As mentioned, sometimes I do send out encouraging words to encourage family, stroke bu'ai and friends, taboos, through our yumi daily life journey, which I'd like to send to you too also and where you might have the opportunity to share with your family and friends. Praise the Lord. And I'm hoping he sends me some of those things. Rolf will be signing off now But as I said earlier, I'm so blessed talking to you and be keeping in touch with you. Please stay safe and have a glorious afternoon. May Papa God's grace, love, joy, peace, fresh anointing, healing and richly blessing be upon us always. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Papa God is good all the time. Papa God is good. Yours respectfully, our Uncle Ned. That was a real blessing to me this week to get that. But that's the type of person he is. He, he gives thanks to God all the time. And that's why when I go back to right at the very start there are all these things that we shouldn't be doing but right in the middle it said you know, we should be thankful to God and, and, I, and I firmly believe that. Just the last passage, 15 to 20, this is what it says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs for the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I can't really add to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks. We give you thanks for the different people who've come into our lives, whether that be bad or for good. We give thanks for what Jesus did, we do want to be able to imitate him. We do want to live as your people. We do ask you to forgive us for anything that we may have done wrong but, but also to help us understand what you want us to do to be able to walk in love with you and also our other fellow believers. Thank you for being in our lives and, and thank you for touching many of our lives. Just pray for these things. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.